I wrote a book some year, year and a half ago called I Pledge Allegiance. It's a, it's a second in a series of books that I'm going to do uh, that I'm working on. And this book is very, very important to me. It's, it's subtitled Seeing God in 31 Words. If you haven't gotten a copy of this yet, um, they're on sale, and, and you can see your campus pastor, whatever campus you're at. They're on sale for $10. You can pick up one for 10 or two for 25, uh, whatever is best. You see the math that I did there, or three for 50, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter to me. But if you pick up a copy of it, but I'm going to be referring to a little bit in that book today as we are in this Independence Day weekend. We were singing a few minutes ago about healing and how God heals us. And this is not in my notes, but I'm thinking about the folks that are here at this physical campus. I'm thinking about many folks that I know in the campus in Modesto and the families that are in Decula. I'm thinking about, thinking about some of the folks that we connected with online. And as I look around, I can't help but to think that we resonate with what the words of the song says because we've seen God do miracles in our lives. And sometimes we can get so hung up on this present darkness where we're at right now, the chapter that we're in, the season that is upon us, that we forget about the miracles that he has done in our lives to lead us up to this point. All of those miracles have prepared us for where we're at today and how we handle what we're dealing with now. As difficult as it is, has, as hard as it can be, thinking of Danny went through a difficult time this last week, and it's just been horrendous. And I imagine a lot of th thoughts have flooded your mind. And I, and I, I think about what's, what's gone on with the Sanchez family and Veronica and Selena and your family and the, the great loss that you've experienced. I think about all the hurdles that so many of us have gone through in our lives. I think about and in, uh, in Modesto and Decula. I think about the folks that have all of these stories of what God has done. And yet we still have this darkness that hovers around us. I want to talk to you about the darkness in this world. Independence Day, we call it the 4th of July, is a reminder of the power of unity because it marks the beginning of our nation's independence from the tyranny of King George III. I don't know if you know this, but in the year 1776, the way that shortly after Independence Day was birthed, the United States was birthed, now the Declaration of Independence was signed. In 1776, the way that it was celebrated actually was in the form of many mock funerals throughout the nation, where they would get these, in these public settings, they get these caskets and they would have these mock funerals symbolizing the death of the king. Now, the king hadn't really died in England, but they were symbolizing the death of the monarchy in the United States, the death of tyranny in the United States, and the birth or the rebirth of liberty and justice, which are two words that are in that conclude our Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all. Perhaps the most important word in the phrase, liberty and justice for all, is the word and. It's that little word that suggests balance between liberty and justice. The Bible puts it this way in John chapter 1, verse number 14. The word 
became flesh, that's Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, that's Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Also known as full of liberty and justice. With liberty and justice for all, our Pledge of Allegiance. The Bible would put it with grace and truth. Jesus was balanced in his approach. And one of the biggest challenges that we have as followers of Jesus Christ in the world today is that we must love people with a balance of grace and truth, of liberty and justice. And if we're not careful, we can get out of balance and we can go too far one way or too far the other way. Let's, let's unpack this for just a, a couple of minutes tonight. Liberty, liberty is also a term known as grace. More specifically, liberty is the condition in which an individual has the ability to act following his or her own will. It's much the same with God. Only human beings by God are granted free will. You get the power to choose. God gives you the gift of making choice. He chooses not to force himself upon you. God will not force himself upon you. He is the perfect gentleman. His grace is available to all who would call upon his name, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. If, however, you and I elect not to receive the free gift of God called salvation through the grace of Jesus, the unmerited favor of God, then we forfeit the right to inherit his ultimate grace, and that is eternal life. I do not want to mince words. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you're not saved, you're going to hell. And it is not God's will that anybody should go to hell. It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should have this inherent, inherit this eternal life. Everyone likes grace. There ain't nobody I've ever met with that doesn't like liberty. Uh, with liberty for all would be a great end to the Pledge of Allegiance. Like liberty, it's grace. It's like everyone likes, maybe another word for this is freedom. We all like, don't shackle me. Don't tell me what to do. I like having grace. I like having liberty in my life. But liberty without justice, grace without truth is out of balance. And if it's out of balance, what happens is you have no foundation at all. It's called moral relativism. What's, what's right good for you might not be right for me. There's no real standard of truth. And I think there are so many people today that only get snippets of Jesus. Just enough to make me feel good, but not enough to make me live differently. It's, it's bumper sticker theology. It makes you feel good, but it doesn't set you apart. It doesn't transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Grace, grace without truth is like a flu shot. When they give you a flu shot, from what I understand, <clears throat> when they give you a flu shot, you're actually getting a little bit of the flu virus injected inside of you. 
it makes you resistant to it so you don't get all of it. And my great fear today is that there are many people that have gotten just enough of Jesus to keep them from experiencing his glory and his power of having all of him in their life, having him and life to the full. They got just enough of Jesus to make them feel good, but not enough to totally transform us into pursuing him for the rest of our lives and living in a way that enables us to make an eternal difference in this world. Grace without truth, it's out of balance. But we don't just need liberty, we need liberty and justice for all. We need grace and truth. Jesus came in grace and in truth, all in. So what is justice? Justice is truth, it's the moral principle that determines just conduct. In other words, justice provides the benefits of following the law and the consequences for breaking the law. The benefits for following the law and the consequences for breaking the law. Justice, truth is not relative. It is what it is. Right? Jesus tells us, um, don't do this. Do do this. That would be truth. This is how you're supposed to live. Um, it's important that you understand that it's not relative. Somebody yells at me, and I get triggered, and I punch him in the throat. <laughs> Feels just to me, right? Feels just. I mean, you yelled at me. You shouldn't have yelled at me. I got triggered. I had a right to get triggered. Your throat was there. My fist was here. They collided. Feels just, but it's not just. Why? Because there are standards of justice in society and those standards are called laws. Justice is dependent upon laws. The United States has thousands of laws. Why? To ensure the safety of all citizens. Just like God's word, God gives us a standard to live by. It's found in the Bible. He gives us the standard and he summarizes all of the law for us. All 613 laws of the Old Testament, he summarizes all of them in just a couple of verses in Matthew 22, 37, 38, 39, 40. And I'll just summarize it this way. Love God, love people. That's what he says. That's the whole law summarized in four words. Love God and love people. So what happens if we live with justice or we live with truth, but we don't live with grace and we don't live with liberty? Well, justice without liberty, truth without grace is legalism. And legalism will kill you. Legalism brings about death. It means that, let me put it to you this way, it means that you have to follow a set of rules and laws and regulations and should you break one, even accidentally, you break one, you're no longer in right relationship with God, God will turn his back on you and you're destined for a devil's hell. And if that's the case, then every one of us professed Christians don't have a dog's chance of getting into heaven because you're gonna sin before you lay your head on your pillow tonight. Some of you are sinning about what you're thinking about me right now, right? It, it's, it's what happens if you're doing something wrong, justice overboard says, 
you're not right with God. Legalism, if you go too far this way, it always leads, always leads one direction, and that's to rebellion. That's why the word and, liberty and justice for all, is so important in the Pledge of Allegiance. As a nation, we have to balance liberty and justice. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? It's time. There's a lot happening in our culture right now. There's a lot going on in society. For the first time in my 51 years of living, it seems like, and I think this is positive, that the moral and religious liberties are finally being supported by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. A little over a week ago, a week ago Monday, the court backed a Washington State public high school football coach that was suspended from his job for doing nothing more than praying. He would, he would lead some Christian prayers on a volunteer basis with the students on the field after the game was over. But because of some people in culture that don't agree with the moral fiber of the Bible and the liberty available to us to be able to pray publicly, he was fired from his job and he courageously took on the system and went all the way to the Supreme Court and won that battle. And don't you think for a second that was just a high school f- football coach and we're just, sh- we're just cheering him on. That is now a precedent with the courts and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The Supreme Court of the United States, as you know, you'd have to have your head in the sand if you didn't know this, also delivered the monumental decision to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling that legalized abortion in the United States. Leaving it in the hands of the states and the state officials who are elected by the people, who can be removed by the people, and other people can be elected by the people. And I would applaud that decision, and I would say, that there are some conservative decisions that are yielding a whole lot of rage and anger in society today, if you agree, say yes. It's all around us. And I would challenge us as Christ followers to balance our vantage point on truth and grace, on liberty and justice, because this war has only just begun. When Buzz Lightyear, do I have to say any more? This war has only just begun. And don't think for a second, moms and dads, that you can stick your head in the sand and expect that the church is gonna take care of your kids. You raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and will support you every step of the way, but you do the work. You teach your children. You show them what's right and what's wrong. You balance liberty and justice, grace and truth. Now there are a lot of homes that would maybe uh, um, hyper, we might say, on either side of the spectrum that would say, well, well my, my kid can make their own decision and they can find their own way and they'll, you know, they'll be just fine. And we'll just, I think that's, okay, you're giving them a lot of liberty, but you're not, you're not giving them the truth. There are other homes that would say, this is the way it's going to be, and you, these are, the list of don'ts is a mile and a half long, and it's legalism, and it's regulations, and it's rules, and what you're, gonna, what you're brewing is you're brewing a rebel in your home. 
because it's not balanced with grace. There's, there's truth and grace. There's liberty and liberty and justice. Truth. Christ followers, let me tell you what we should believe as Christians. I am not right, I am not left, well I'm right for sure, but I'm not talking politically. I'm correct because I believe what the B-I-B-L-E teaches us. That every life is sacred, it's important, and it is worthy of our protection, including the unborn. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19 tells us, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, friends, online people, I am telling you as your under-shepherd, your pastor, your spiritual mentor and leader, this is a value that we must fight for without fear of opposition or persecution or a woke culture. Why? Because it is the truth. God values every single life. What's gonna happen is a slippery slope is gonna take place in culture. And that slippery slope is, well, what about this exception? What about this exception? Listen, I'm not in those shoes, because, but I wanna balance this with grace also. But I would say to anybody, and I've said to many people before, is it the baby's fault? And I think that's a question that needs to be considered but I know it's hard. It would be easy for me to go overboard with truth, with justice, when I'm not walking in those shoes. But we need to be in balance. We must also look at every scenario as Jesus did through the lens of grace. The woman who had committed adultery was getting ready to be stoned to death and rightfully so, because the truth, the justice, the law said that she had committed a crime. And she, she, Jesus kneels down, writes something in the dirt, and he tells the people they're gonna stone her. If you haven't sinned, then go ahead and throw the first stone. And they walk away, and then he looks at this woman, and instead of putting his finger in her chest, he says, go and sin no more. Grace, but truth, balanced. As followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we've got to remember that we are all God's kids. And he longs to be in right relationship with every one of us, no matter how foul we think we are or somebody else is. Everyone, regardless of what side of the aisle or what hot topic position we may hold on to. Romans chapter three, verse number 23, for all have sinned and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I fall short every day of my life. And 1 John, I mentioned it before, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so on this Independence Day weekend, I am calling our church family to fight. Now you hear me. I'm calling us to fight for our nation and for the people. As Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 12 
tells us our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is an enemy that longs to divide and ultimately destroy us. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but we must fight hard against the evil one and the powers that he has. But it's going to look different than you think. Let me illustrate it in a unique way today. I'm a child of the 80s, a proud child of the 80s, born in 1971. My childhood was through the 80s, and I remember it well. There's an actor named Lee Martin. You see a picture of him on your screen. He starred in several movies. You might remember, we'll leave him up for a second. He starred in several movies, including a, a, classic, a classic film by one of the most revered actors of my day, Sir Chuck Norris. Yes, yes, called The Delta Force. It was one of the greatest movies of, yeah, Chuck's like, you know, you know you're speaking my language. Some people may, may be a bit offended by Lee Marvin, this actor, because he is buried in a grave alongside three and four star generals in Arlington's National Cemetery. His marker gives him the rank of private in the U.S. Marine Corps, nothing more than private, and yet he's buried next to generals. He's a famous movie star, so some people assume that he got in because of his fame. But why did he deserve to be buried with these guys? Because this gentleman, Lee Marvin, was a genuine hero. He won the Navy Cross in Iwo Jima. There's only one higher naval award, that's the Medal of Honor. And if that's not surprising enough, uh, he is a true character of a man. He credits his sergeant with an even greater show of bravery. When he was interviewed many, many years ago on The Tonight Show, this was dated with Johnny Carson, his guest was Lee Marvin, and Johnny said, Lee, I bet a lot of people are unaware that you were a Marine in the initial landing at Iwo Jima and that during the course of that action, you earned the Navy Cross because you were severely wounded. And I'm gonna summarize this because he said it a little bit differently, but he said, yeah, I got shot square in the bottom. And they gave me the cross for securing a hot spot about halfway up the hill. Bad thing about getting shot up on the mountain is guys getting shot trying to haul you down. But Johnny, at Iwo, I served under the bravest man I ever knew. We both got the cross the same day, but what he did for his cross made mine look like cheap in comparison. That dumb guy actually stood up on Red Beach and directed his troops to move forward and get off the beach, bullets flying by, mortar rounds landing everywhere, and he stood there as the main target of gunfire so that he could get his men to safety. And he did this on more than one occasion because his men's safety was more important than his own. That sergeant and I have been lifelong friends. The sergeant's name is Bob Keeshan. You and the world know him as Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> now, if you're younger than I am, you may not even have a clue. You might want to YouTube or Google this guy. But Captain Kangaroo was a, a staple in American culture. He was a brave soldier who didn't flaunt what he did. He just went about doing what he did to inspire the next generation. On another note, how many of y'all remember, come on now, Mr. Rogers? 
Mr. Rogers was a U.S. Navy SEAL, combat proven in Vietnam with over 25 confirmed kills to his name. In fact, he wore his long sleeve sweater on TV to cover the many tattoos on his forearms and biceps that weren't acceptable in that culture. He was a master in small arms, a master in hand-to-hand -hand combat, able to disarm and kill, they say, in a heartbeat. Mr. Rogers. After the war, Mr. Rogers became an ordained Presbyterian minister who vowed to never harm another human. And he also dedicated the rest of his life trying to help lead children on the right path in theirs. He hid away the tattoos in his past life and won the hearts through his quiet wit and charm, three famous people, three incredibly kind-hearted individuals who underneath their warm exterior were true warriors never to be messed with. After the wars were over, these men, they continued to fight. They fight for what they believed in, but not through bloodshed and not through weaponry and not through coarse words and not through debates and arguing. Instead, they fought by leading the next generations, plural, through character and spiritual development. They got involved in their communities. They didn't hull up in their own communes. They let their light so shine before men, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. They didn't flaunt their accomplishments or victories. Then I watched these guys growing up and never once did I hear these, these stories told by them. They quietly went about their day-to-day -day lives influencing people for Christ. They, they, they wouldn't be found debating across the aisle. Instead, they did what we say we're going to do in our church. They gripped the plow. They caught the wind of the Spirit. They stayed grafted to the vine. That's what we're called to do. They left a legacy, a legacy for us to follow. On this Independence Day weekend, we might, may we be reminded that we do need to fight. We need to fight the good fight of faith. First Timothy chapter six, verse number 12. And that is accomplished best if we follow the words of the Bible. Jesus came grace and in truth. We pledge allegiance by saying with liberty and justice for all. And may it be said of us as it was said of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept, I have kept the faith. In the back of the book, and it might sound like I'm commercially, I'm not trying to, I just feel like it's a resource that could help you and help your children, your grandchildren. In the back of the book, I wrote a prayer, and I would like to conclude my portion of this gathering by reading this prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ on behalf of the United States of America. According to the Mayflower Compact of 1620, our founders agreed 
that the United States of America is in covenant with God. I declare this to still be true and that upon Jesus this nation was founded and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Psalm 33, 12 declares that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I therefore declare that the United States of America is blessed. Oh Lord, I acknowledge that the United States has sinned and turned from you. You said in 2 Chronicles 7:14 that if your people would turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek your face, you would heal the land. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I repent for the sins of this nation. Thank you for healing our land. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your shield of divine protection over this country and over all Americans. In the name of Jesus, I bind up every unclean spirit and assignment coming against the United States of America from, by, or through anyone or anything named or unnamed, known or unknown, seven generations back. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all government officials, national, state, and local. I call forth men and women into service to our government who have revelation of your love for them and who will govern according to your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray for Christ followers in the United States of America to vote based upon your word and not according to political or economic conditions that exist. In the name of Jesus, I pray for our president, Congress, and the Supreme Court. I ask you to direct their hearts and minds to make righteous decisions. I also ask you to remove from positions of authority all who stand against your word and replace them with men and women who will follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all of those in the military, wherever they are. I plead the blood of Jesus over each one. And for those in harm's way, I declare according to Psalm 91:11 that ministering angels will surround them to keep them in all their ways. I pray for all military commanders that they will listen to you and follow your counsel. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all first responders in our country, police, EMTs, firefighters, for their protection and safety as they serve our citizenry. I declare the favor of the Lord over their lives according to Psalm 90:17. In the name of Jesus, I pray for all pastors who boldly declare your word. I ask that you would grant them divine favor and supernatural anointing according to 1 John 2.20. In the name of Jesus, I pray for Psalm 511 protection to be released over our country's borders, our electric grid, cyber networks, our transportation system, our water system, and our food supply. In the name of Jesus, I ask for an Acts 4.30 release of the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit, the working of miracles, signs, and wonders to be in strong operation in our nation as we approach the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that the future of the United States of America is even greater than her past. God bless America in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen, and Amen, and Amen.